0: Me telling that little voice to shut up. Uh, how, do you feel that way? Shroom for Two, Episode 35, Imposter Syndrome.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Episode 35 of Shroom for Two, where we finally have daily challenges again. I'm Taylor. And I'm Mike. So, how about all this daily challenge business?
0: Yeah, uh, minutes before we started recording, we got our daily challenges back, the little Do Not Disturb sign or Come Back Later sign. I can't even remember anymore, but that sign is gone, and we got our daily challenge. Sadly, not a new one. This was a, a repeat of a challenge from almost exactly a year ago. Yeah, Um. apparently... Yeah, we
1: have we have differing opinions on how annoyed we are by this whole thing. So what's what's your take on the whole matter, Mike?
0: Okay, so first off, we are recording this at a very... Weird time this is possibly the the apex of being mad on the internet about this because like last week the uh, the patch dropped, and there were some things wrong and some things missing like the the new daily challenges didn't show up, and the the crafting cost of the cards that got nerfed didn't get restored to full value and this uh missing daily challenge thing is the latest incident, but like that one got solved but The other issues haven't been touched yet, so it feels like they're not done fixing this yet, but we don't know how the next couple of days are going to unfurl, and people are pretty heated at this point. I'm usually not one to side with the angry internet mob people who have entitlement, etc., but uh, I feel worse about this one than I have about the other past updates where things have gone wrong, like... It's easy to understand if an update doesn't push out right, thinking like, Oh, they forgot to flip this switch before they push the make it live button. But the fact that they were able to, you know, make a small news post being, Hey, we're aware of this issue, bear with us then a day later something changed in kind of a clunky way where they, they feel like they had to reach into that barrel and dig out an old emergency daily challenge to, to placate us before we start burning stuff down.
1: Yeah, okay. So my thoughts on this are a little bit more muted. So they, I will not deny that they certainly made a sequence of mistakes in rolling out this patch. Still kind of unclear on what caused the initial patch to just like be retracted or just kind of not happen. Like I didn't see the the state of the game like in between the patch and the news post saying they restra- they retracted the patch. But like the thing that, that kind of tempers my feeling about this is that the reaction on the Reddit, whenever something goes wrong with like the operational nature of the game is like, Oh God, PopCap just like totally dumped everybody. And like, we're playing in a ghost town and no one cares anymore. And there's going to be no more sets. there's going to be no more cards. And just like, we're all a bunch of suckers sitting here waiting for nothing. And it's like, there are reactions to expressing dissatisfaction with an operational flub for the game besides just like flooring it. And I understand that this was kind of like a sequence of things that went wrong, but like the people that are working on this game are like not only probably working on other games. In addition, they are like working as much as they possibly can on this game in the amount of time that they have. From the outside looking in, we don't really have any visibility into what went wrong and how difficult it would be to fix, and, like, I'm just kind of inclined to give them a lot more credit, given that, like, we get to play this awesome game, you know? Uh, And so I just think, like, yeah, there was a bit of a screw-up here, but let's not look a gift horse in the mouth too much.
0: That is a very fair and mature position to have on this, and, you know, here on this show we are... Probably more empathetic towards the the plight of developers under pressure than the average schmuck out there. But not that you're schmucks. Everybody listening, everybody who's listening is like smart and excellent and not schmucks. Yes, you are all uh, lovely, beautiful, talented people who have very good taste in podcasts. But it feels a lot harder for me to to turn that other cheek this time around. Probably because this is not a single isolated thing that went wrong. This is you know, the third thing that went wrong in a cascade of of things most recently. And, you know, while I'm certainly not going to go, you know, there is also that, hey, you know, I, I lost my pack this week. I My my yeah. per, my perfect streak of daily challenges has finally come to an end, and it wasn't my fault, and I'm upset about that, and I yeah, won't get is, as many rewards a little, about it. That's
1: a little annoying. I mean, like, for so for all we know, there's some other thing that's going to be coming later. Who knows? Maybe we'll get a pack, maybe, like, whatever. But, like, even if we don't, This is certainly like kind of a black eye that happened, you know, like this is like a, they get a wag of the finger, um, but come on, the sky's not falling. That's about as much as I have to say about that. Although I did Google opposite of schmuck, uh, and, uh, according to Google, the opposite of a schmuck is a mensch. So there you go. Huh?
0: Oh, you learn something new every day.
1: Well, that's for all I know, this is just some total garbage, but, uh, according to Google, that's what, uh, the opposite of schmuck is.
0: But yeah, um, speaking of the update, the update happened since the last time we recorded, and that is pretty exciting, even though it happened over a week ago for all of you listening out there.
1: Yeah, so we've we've both got um some kind of new stuff that we've been tinkering around with, so uh, what have you been doing, Mike? You hit ultimate, didn't you?
0: I did hit ultimate, yeah. Uh, after the patch, I stuck with my banana deck for a little while, and uh, I didn't do quite as good as last time around, probably because I was facing a bunch of rank 40 people with a... A reinvigorated zombie meta, and I saw I saw a lot of good decks I haven't seen in a, seen in a while. Notably, the return of Trickster Rustvolt and Gravestone mm. Control Neptuna, which are both very good decks and give Captain Combustible a lot of trouble. But yeah, I hit ultimate with a uh, a variety of Savage Spinach decks. That has been my main uh, cooking obsession since the patch rolled. Just playing around with the different Mega Grow heroes and. Seeing all the different ways you can build the spinach decks, and which other cards you want to put in your leafy packages, and what other possible tribes you want to combine with it, and have been having a lot of fun with that. And that got me through the late '40s into ultimate. It took me uh, 203 games total this season for me to go from 30 to 50. So, and that's
1: not just with leafy decks; that's with everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is uh, everything pre and post patch. Mostly plants, a little bit of zombies though. I I did play some control gravestone neptuna with the turquoise skull guy to see how that fells and that card's pretty cool like i i like them cool. i don't know if it's something that you know makes the deck go above and beyond how good it was previously but it's still a nice little play and you know sometimes you can mess up whatever turn five plan they have and that feels nice mm-hmm. i also play some dancing brainstorm and went 11 and 10 with that deck so uh yeah. <laughs> Probably because of my own inability to tell whether I play it like a tempo deck or play it like a miracle deck, based on, you know, should I be saving these little dance guys for when I have the headhunter on the field, or should I be throwing out on Life of the Party a little bit earlier? So when
1: you say miracle deck, you mean like a deck that wants to, like, charge its laser and then go all in on one turn?
0: Yeah, where you have the big okay. machine gun combo, where if you're able... Like, having two headhunters on the field, uh, turns out, makes that deck really, really deadly...
1: Okay. Uh, Well, that's pretty cool. Um, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about those Savage Spinach uh, builds a little bit later. Um, I have mostly been playing zombies uh, for the last few days. I'm up to, I think, 31 right now. Yes. Or no, 30. And uh, it's been faster to queue in as a zombie than as a plant, which is, like, new, you know, for me. Like, I've been... um, Most of the reason that I've been playing a lot of plants before was that it would take, like you know, less than a third of the time to, to get a game after you hit the plant button and the zombie button. Um, but I guess that everybody, you know, kind of ditched Brainstorm in the last few days. And so I have been playing a mime garg deck um, built in Immortisha. Um There is a deck recipe that is pretty similar to this um, called, I think, Mime Crime. So if you want to fire that up and take a look at it, um, it is... Uh, my deck is similar to that. Um, it is... It's got uh, Trickster and Mime Garg in it, just like that does. But in my version, I've trimmed a lot of the like random stuff that does bonus attacks, like Mustache Monument, especially now that it's been nerfed, and Electrician, and even trimmed the amount of tricks down a little bit and instead played Trick-or-Treater. Uh, Trick-or-Treater is a card that I really like, and it is um, pretty good at giving you enough stuff to make your Tricksters cheap uh while also like you want if you're gonna be playing um Mime Garg, you wanna have stuff that does bonus attacks, so I'm doing that with frenzy creatures and all the frenzy creatures wear those treats very well. You know, either the extra health means they survive to do the bonus attack, or the big uh sugary treat helps them, you know, deal more damage when they do get the bonus attack off. Uh, And so um, I don't think we're going to devote a whole segment to this. I'll probably talk about it a little bit later because I'm still kind of tinkering with it. Um, But I've been having a lot of fun, and I've been doing pretty well with it too.
0: Yeah, the the minimal tricks but also trick-or-treater is an interesting trickster package and uh, pretty cool. It's kind of an effort to find,
1: like, the minimum viable trickster package. Like, how much – like, do you need to play, like, Beam Me Up and uh, Cryobrain and whatever um, in order to play – trickster and have it be cheap or can you just do like some nibbles some teleports a few removal spells and then trick-or-treater
0: is there uh anything about trick-or-treater that is making you decide to go with that instead of the now updated mad chemist that also spawns you a bunch of tricks uh
1: being cheaper is good and i
0: think that treats are
1: just better than your average random trick um you know like the um um putting a healthy treat on a energy drink zombie is just so busted like it's going to survive it's probably going to kill the thing that it's in front of especially since energy drink zombies really easy to snipe and this kind of helps it have some resilience against sniping um and like you know if if my thing that gave me a trick to play was also capable of giving me like you know random like evolutionary leap or you know just like some random other thing, then I don't think that I would be getting as much value off it. And so combined with being cheaper, I think that it's just, like, more, like, on theme for the deck.
0: Right, yeah, you you showed me that deck. It looks pretty cool. I never know, when I, when I make a deck, when it turns out there is a recipe for it that is almost identical, I never know whether to feel flattered or kind of basic and simple or <laughs> anything like that. The recipe decks have, you know, they're they're definitely not, like... Meta busters for sure. Like there are there are some very uh odd choices in some of their construction. But Yeah, uh, they
1: they kind of skew towards like lots of legendaries and super rares and stuff, some of which seem kind of not super necessary. Like so, for example, I guess I'll I'll just post this in the show notes since I'm talking about my deck. Um but so in mine, um I have a pair of smashing gargs, the regular just rare card from the corset, five mana five five, all your gargs have frenzy. Um, and that's just kind of there to do bonus attacks, giving Mime Garg Frenzy doesn't really matter. Um, and so any other thing at a similar cost that also had Frenzy would probably be better than that. So like Supernova Garg or something like Kitchen Sink Zombie, which is also does a bunch of extra busted stuff, would probably be better in that slot. But if I'm going to be showing this deck to people and say, hey, build this deck, it's good, um, I'm not going to want people to unnecessarily sink their, their resources into crafting legendaries that aren't actually important to making the deck go um and so yeah the recipes i think kind of steer you wrong in that way
0: i guess like idealistically the recipes are seen as like a long-term collection building goal yeah but you know once you get to like 35 out of 40 on most of them where it's like oh i'm missing these five legendaries and there's a lot of really weird choices in some of these like i'm looking at the the Recipe, Mime, Morticia deck, and the removal they have is uh, three Extinction Event and four Nibbles. And that is uh, a little strange.
1: Yeah, no no Rocket Science is a, is a little bit odd. Um, and I mean, like, it's... I can see, like, how some of that decision was made because, like, getting blitzed down by, like, a bunch of random mushrooms or whatever, like, is definitely a way to lose because you are playing kind of a bunch of clunky BS. Um, but I think that... um the the fat in the middle where it's just like 4x mustache monument 4x electrician is like come on man at least some of those should be rocket sciences
0: yeah i suppose part of it is also uh not wanting all of the recipes to look too samey sure. and you know it, if every brainy deck recipe has the same 12 cards in common that is less interesting to look at for sure and you know while probably better from a one percentage standpoint doesn't really do a good job of showing off the different ways you can build a deck and thrive well
1: yeah and i mean especially because this is like also kind of advertising you know what i mean be like look how sweet your gameplay could be if you had this awesome deck you know like they are trying to sell us these cards and so like putting together a flashy cool looking uh tricked out pile is like something that they want to do
0: let's see if there's any savage spinach recipes Leaf My Dino... Okay, there's one in the Grass Knuckles called Leaf My Dinos okay. Alone, which... Uh, okay. Wow, this actually looks like a deck I'm going to talk about it a little bit later.
1: <laughs> you think that's a Leave Brittany Alone joke?
0: Uh... I doubt it, but,
1: like, I did think
0: of it when I saw it. Yeah, but that's more about the internet having poisoned all of us than anything else. <phone rings> It is time for Card of the Week, and this time we have the return of one of the best event cards ever to come out, the Imposter, The one-cost Mustache Imp Zombie is a sneaky card, and it says, when destroyed, create a one-cost Imp, and it gains a little mustache. And it is a 2-1. Right. This is damn good. The exact card that Imp decks want, being a cheap body that generates a cheap body.
1: Yeah, it can even generate another copy of itself, which is... Pretty nutty.
0: Yeah, and kind of difficult to play against because you're never sure how much you should invest in killing it.
1: Yeah, trading a full card for it is
0: basically never feels good. And conversely, you let it just hit you for two over and over again, and if you keep it on the field long enough, they'll play a Toxic Waste Imp, and then it'll become a kill your thing and then give the zombie dude a card. The field of
1: one-cost imps is not very large, so you can pretty readily calculate the entire space that your opponent can get so there's the vanilla 1-1 that sucks there's imposter which is amazing there's the 1-1 with Anti-Hero, which is good there is the leprechaun imp which used to be amazing and is now merely fine and then there's the cannon one the 1-1 with overshoot two which is also very good especially in an aggro deck um, and so you are basically a little more than 50 percent of the time going to get a good card off this um, and sometimes you're going to get an amazing card off it um and for something that is like a very safe and hard to play around early game play, um, that is just like exactly where you want to be.
0: And it does also interact with all of the usual conjure stuff. So anything that has Dino Roar will get procked when it dies. And if you have a Doctor Space Timeout, the imp that you conjure will cost zero.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, of course all the imp business. So we mentioned Toxic Waste Imp. Uh, mustache is also relevant because there was a bunch of mustache stuff in set three. What's the one mustache waxer, I think, the one that, that gives you mana? Like, you net even on mana if you play this with a mustache waxer out. Uh, and so that's just, like, obviously
0: pretty nutty. Do we know if the the Conjured mustache guy will also proc a uh, a mustache waxer? Off the top of my head, I don't, I don't know,
1: but I have a feeling that it probably would. Um... I mean, like, the the cosmetic effect is that the dude is, like, wearing a fake mustache, which is pretty funny. But um, I have a feeling that it would probably, like, it might not say it, like, in the type line of the card if you zoomed in. Like, there's a, um, there'll be a little note on the bottom It's like, conjured by imposter, gained a mustache. But uh, I think that it would probably still check.
0: Yeah, because it, do- um, it doesn't gain the tribe keyword in the in the place where all of the other mustache cards have it naturally, so... It's sure. like,
1: yeah, like it, it loads the same card image in a detail view, but it's just got like the little, you know, like conjured by whatever thing. But regardless, even if that like if that is somehow a bug and like isn't as amazing as it sounds, um, you'll still play 4X Imposter and basically every infinite in basically every imp deck and basically every mustache deck, um, because those are very aggressive tribes both. And Imposter is like just exactly what an aggro deck wants to do it will trade up with your opponent's real cards because like it's just a little dinky one cost thing um and if they have to spend a real card to block it then you're up on card advantage on them it's high enough power that if they don't block it then it does actually cause some trouble and it's an imp so it can get deadly and do all kinds of other nasty stuff so uh yeah this is like this is pretty much the gold standard for zombie event cards i think
0: also a fine cheap little creature to throw into any kind of bad moon rising deck Mm -hmm.
1: and a good double chump blocker as well i mean like part of why um cosmic bean is in you know almost every control deck that can play it is because it's just two chump blockers you know um and imposter even though that is like very much not the primary mode of the card is totally just two chump blockers if you need it to be
0: if you end up uh with your imposter up against some other little cheap conjurer card dude, like a high-voltage current or a cosmic bean, that's the absolute worst trade the imposter can make, and it's still just a one-for-one where both of you get a card and the zombie player gets probably a slightly weaker card.
1: The only thing that this really doesn't want to run into on turn one is, like, garlic. Like, something that can kill it and not die, but for one-drops, that garlic might even be the only thing that does that. I don't think there's any like one threes. Not on the plant side, I don't think so. Yeah. So hey, give us some one threes because like imposter is like crazy good, yo. Getting through the one drops, seeing
0: what we'll trade. Yeah, only only one cost thing that I'm seeing is garlic. Uh, yeah, I don't see any other things that can survive uh, an imposter on turn one. Well, yeah, it's a good card, and if you want to hear us talk more about it, look up the class warfare sneaky episode we did, where I'm pretty yes. sure we recommended you craft it, and now you don't yes. have to. You can just uh, grind really hard, uh, maybe a little harder than usual without the the bonus daily challenge tickets, but it is worth it if you don't have it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, this is this is not a pickup that you will regret. It is. It's very good for new players since, like, it doesn't really need the the tribal synergy. Like, it doesn't really need any support from any other parts of your deck in order to be good. Um, and uh, so, like, you know, you can just throw it in kind of a deck full of Garbo, and your deck will be better. Uh, so, yeah, Forex Imposter, make it happen.
0: And it'll get better as uh, more one cost imps come out in the future. Well,
1: not necessarily. If they could print some garbagey ones, you know. Like, I mean, I think that um, cards like Garg Throwing Garg do put a kind of a constraint on designers to like, Hey, let's not have this just be the most insane thing ever and continue to get better. Like, I think that, uh, you, you would want to keep the, the ratio of good to bad at roughly 50, 50 for this sort of thing. Um, unfortunately, swabby is not in the mix cause swabby costs zero, but, um, it's definitely like, it's not gonna get too much worse. Like it's still going to be a two, one that draws you a real card. And like, that's never
0: going to be bad. Yeah. And It minimizes the chances of just getting the regular one-one-for-one, and they're not going to print another one-one-for-one, so, like, anything they print will be better than the worst outcome.
1: Very true. Card evaluation style, talking about a ceiling and a floor. Um, The floor and the ceiling are very close to each other on this card, and they're both quite high. So it's kind of the closest thing I can think of as far as, like, similar card evaluation metrics for event cards on the plant side is Blooming Heart. Um, you know, the 1-mana the 2-2 that just, like, is always going to be an aggro creature that deals a little bit of damage and then dies. Um, this is, like, kind of very similarly easy to evaluate. You know pretty much what you're going to get, even though there's some randomness in it. Um, and what you're going to get is going to be great.
0: All right. We're going to do a little bit of deck talk here next i um, not sure if this qualifies as the Tribe Talk episode about Leafy or not, but since Savage Spinach got buffed up to crazy heights, we figured we'd spend some time talking about the different ways to build it and the ins and outs of playing with it and playing against it.
1: Yeah, so Savage Spinach, and it says, Leafy Evolution, this and all plants on the board and in your hand get plus two attack. Uh, I didn't used to say anywhere near that much, but it now uh, has been... Uh, buffed in a way that screams, hey, guys, you should be playing this. Uh, So you got a variety of decks here, Mike. Which one would you like to start with?
0: Well, I suppose I'll go in the order I built them in, and the first one I made was Grass Knuckles, because I knew that if I was going to be making a leafy deck, I also wanted to put Potted Powerhouse in there, because that is a a card that I like that I very rarely get to play with. The the 5-mana 3-3 that gets bigger each time a card gets buffed, and In a Potted Powerhouse deck, you want to make sure you have the the time to shine, do a bonus attack superpower trick. So it was either that Uh, or or Captain Combustible, and I needed a break from playing Combustible because of all the the hours I've logged playing that banana deck. So I threw this together. From very early on, I was on a mission to prove that Cabbage Pult was viable again in this kind of deck, being a, uh, a basic card that uh, a lot of people haven't thought about in a little while, the the 2-mana 1-3 that gains 1-1 one one when you play it on heights, and it is a leafy card. And the reason I wanted kills, to... Kills Chimney Sweeper. Yeah, yeah, big tempo gains on turn 2. The reason I wanted to put that in there is because I thought it was a pretty safe piece of evolution fodder for spinach. Totally. In, in that, if your opponent plays a Cabbage Bolt your reaction isn't going to be, oh man, I need to kill that really quickly. Like, you're kind of okay with that chilling because it means that they're not playing Lily the Valley and they can't play something even stronger on the heights. And so it seemed like a good candidate as something that would survive until turn four where I could uh, evolve it and buff everything up in my hand. Um, this is around the, the variant where most of the buffing is going to happen in your hand rather than on the field.
1: Right, so yeah, so the, the that's a good way to kind of like split these up. So you could either be like an aggro Crow Magnolia style deck where just like everything goes on the board and then you buff it, or you could play it a little closer to the vest, Potted Powerhouse style, and buff the things in your hand. Um, so seems like these decks would fall into either of those two categories. So with the Guardian stuff, I would assume that you probably wanted to keep stuff in your hand more Uh would that be, is that how your experience went with it, Mike?
0: Yeah, it played very tempo-ish, where, you know, turn one, if anything, I would play a Bonk to kill their thing, and usually I was playing one creature a turn early on that would often die, unless I was able to luck out and get some insane uh, Muscle Sprout value later on, because there's a lot of cheap one-cost creatures in here that also play very nicely with Muscle Sprout.
1: Yeah, Muscle Sprout is a common theme in lots of these.
0: Yeah, I I almost never made any Muscle Sprout decks before this came around, and now I can see why that was the card that was upgraded to Legendary back when they did the rarity shift, because...
1: Oh, I forgot about that. Muscle Sprout
0: definitely pulls its weight in this deck, being a huge, crazy force that if going unchecked will just win the game for you. And, of course, um, when you have the Umbrella Leaf... Like, Umbrella Leaf is very important in these decks because, one, it is a leafy card, and, two, being able to protect your big high-statted threats from, you know, from, one, getting tricked to death or even serving as a as a blocker for something deadly. Like, that's mm-hmm. not a terrible use of uh, Umbrella Leaf. Something that I'm noticing here is that there's kind of a... There's
1: a common, like package at, towards the low end of the of the curve that seems to be pretty common to all of these so i'm seeing a lot of bonk choy i'm seeing a lot of umbrella leaf i'm seeing um party time in like some cases but not all um and so tell me a little bit about how like the fundamentals of the of the savage spinach strategy come together
0: well the the party time is there as part of a, a card drawing package because i'm also running for plant foods that do bonus attacks and in the grass knuckles deck i'm running coffee grounds to give stuff double strike and banana is there so like having a way to draw cards is of course very important like duh but um being able to make sure you have as many creatures in your hand as possible when you do evolve the spinach is really important there are also other ways to go around in in one of the other decks i uh I also tried playing the, uh, the typical Beanstalk, the, the four cost, four, four, yes. draw a card if it's next to a leafy card. And uh, public service announcement, the Beanstalk will not activate if you play it in the same lane as something that's leafy. Like it has to ah. be next to it. So if, you, if you're playing it in front of an umbrella leaf with nothing else around, you won't draw a card off of it.
1: Ah, that's a little unfortunate. I would not have suspected that. I would have suspected it to not work if you like played it on a lily pad or something, because the lily pad's not around anymore for the ability to see it, but that is slightly a bummer. But yeah, looking at this, there's definitely... Um, Kind of a card drawing mechanism in each of the cases. And so like in the green shadow decks, for example, there's everybody's favorite Planet of the Grapes, which is definitely going to draw you a bunch of cards, especially since it seems to be paired with Rotobega. And yeah, you're otherwise kind of like trying to establish some some pressure on the board and then kind of like overwhelm with something big, either a Savage Spinach or like in some cases there's like things that are kind of over the top of Savage Spinach. So there's like Pod Fighter in one case kind of lets you blitz them down or there's, like, a tricorn in one of these. Like, so how did tricorn
0: work out? Uh, well, the, the tricorn deck is, quote-unquote, the bad spinach deck of the... When I when I took these for a spin out on ladder, that, that green shadow deck definitely had the worst performance. It went, like, two and five. It also is the only one that's running the lily pad. It felt too slow. It There weren't enough creatures to put on the field early on to, to keep me in the game. And by the time I would get the spinach off, I was too far behind.
1: I'm Now that you say that, I'm just now noticing that there is only Lilypad in one of these decks, so does Lilypad just not cut the mustard?
0: Well, you know, Lilypad's a smarty card, so I can only run it in the Green Shadow variant. Oh, sure. And the, the other Green Shadow deck I made, which did a lot better and was uh, the deck that I, I played from 49 to Ultimate, is a bean hybrid deck. Okay. So it's running a small bean package of Admiral Navy Bean and Cosmic Bean and uh, Black Eyed Pea. Having Navy Bean... Be the water representation worked fine, and wrote, you that's know wrote in both of them. Rotobega wears the buffs really well, of course. Rotobega can win you a game by itself sometimes. Yeah, this is
1: this is not the Rotobega show as much as I would like it to be. Um, so the um, all right, so let's talk about the support cards. So um, there there's kind of a core of Megagro stuff that's common or mostly common to to all of these things, but then you've got a few you know. A few Gravebusters and a few Triceratops in one, and then in another, you've got, you know, Burn Spells in the in the Kabloom one and, and stuff like that. So, like, what other class do you think supports Savage Spinach the best?
0: The jury is still out a little bit on Kabloom because the one Captain Combustible spinach deck I made was a budget deck that revolved around Pod Fighter uh, as a yes. finisher instead of playing the uh, Potted Powerhouse route. So, you know, there's still a lot of experimenting going on with that, um... I think Guardian is the best suited for it, because Grave Buster is an incredibly important tool, and okay. Triceratops is such a good card in general, it it feels really nice, and Grass Knuckles gets the draw two cards superpower, which, right. which helps a lot for building your hand size.
1: Seems like the biggest um, contribution happening here is Guacadile, like... Uh,
0: Yeah, Guacodile, I put in one to have a little bit of amphibious presence because uh, playing a 6-3 in the water lane is really hard to deal with unless you devote one of your kill a big thing tricks to it. The Guacodiles are in there because I was running Shamrocket before that. Ah, yes. But I realized, oh yeah, this is a thing about buffing all of the creatures in your hand, so I want to try and maximize the number of cards in my hand that are creatures, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not
1: trying to, like, question your, your inclusion of Guacodile. I mean, Guacodile is definitely one of the best things going on in that class. And I can see that, like, you need some time to set up your combo in here. And not getting killed by, like, a defensive end seems like a pretty good idea. Um, And Guacodile will help. And, in fact, a lot of these decks seem, like, kind of minimally soft to defensive end. Like, there's not a lot of tricks happening. A lot of it is happening in creature form and um and when you're in that mode um guacadiles does as good a job of taking out defensive End as anything the
0: the biggest scourge i've been running into has been a uh, toxic waste imp of all things because okay. most of these decks are not running uh uh sweet pea in right. in the small pea packages i'm i'm running black eyed pea in almost all of these as a as a meta call because of all of the trickster decks that have come out of the woodworks yes but uh, a Toxic Waste can just shut me down entirely because, they're like, oh yeah, they'll play their little 1-1 in front of my big thing, and unless I have a bonus attack or something to, to block for it, I'm, I'm just doomed, and some of the, like, my Chompzilla deck doesn't have a way to deal with things in the water lane at all. The The Chompzilla deck is a, a P hybrid. I want right. to try and get Gatling P in the mix as a finisher because, hey, Gatling P probably likes wearing a plus two buff, and if I'm running P patch, then that's a P and a leafy card, and I'm running Black Eyed P anyways, and let's see if that enough is a, is good enough to merit putting uh, putting a Gatling P in there, and yeah, it did all right. Um, the only solar card I'm running is Sunstrike, and uh, <laughs> I don't know how good of a choice that is yet because of the of all the games I played on ladder, I played Sunstrike zero times. Yeah. It's really hard to play Sunstrike and one of your big finishers on the same turn because odds are you're going to be on, like, turn seven by the time you need to really start wrapping things up. But, uh, I don't know. Like, the idea of a buffed-up Muscle Sprout and a Sunstrike is so appealing to me that I decided to... Oh, yeah.
1: There's there's definitely a dream to live there.
0: There's not a... I just noticed there's less card draw in this one than the others, but... Whatever. Like these are all still pretty experimental and yeah, works works in progress. Yeah, for and sure. of, of the time I spent playing with them on ladder, I would climb a single rank with them. So you know that's like ten games max for some of these.
1: Right. Oh yeah, but I'm um I'm interested to see kind of how this crystallizes around like a a best set of support cards and kind of a best like amount that you commit to the board. I mean, like that's definitely a very important knob to turn you know whether whether a, a deck that wants to go all in wants to go all in fast or slow is you know definitely like making that decision correctly is what allows you to win and it seems like that in in some of these cases savage spinach is giving enough support to enable that kind of strategy which i like to see this does kind of seem like it bears out one of our initial criticisms of leafy like as a as a try because the the leafy cards themselves kind of aren't doing a ton. You know, like, there's a lot of the leafy cards that are good enough to be included in in these decks are, like, kind of good enough to include no matter what. So, like, Muscle Sprout and Savage Spinach we're talking about here, and, like, obviously Umbrella Leaf sees lots of play as a defensive thing, and Bonk Choy is very good just as, like, a thing to trade with. But that, like, besides those finishers, which are kind of good enough on their own anyway, um, you know, like, the the leafy stuff kind of isn't really doing a whole lot. I mean, would you agree with that? That's kind of my impression.
0: Yeah, the the leafy tribe is definitely an ends to get the huge buff because everything gets buffed regardless of what tribe it is. You just need right. the, the cheap leafy card to play your spinach on top of, and you're feeling pretty good from there. Uh, Muscle Sprout, similarly, is good, but... It being leafy is not why it's good. It's good yeah. because there's a lot of other cheap creatures you can play in one turn that like that late, like and unless you're playing against a crazy hero, you can often get away with playing it on turn three and developing right. it from there and it's kind of steamrolling.
1: It's definitely a, definitely a card that punishes the zombie opponent for spending all their all their mana uh in the creature phase. Yeah. But yeah, this stuff looks cool, and uh, congrats on getting up to ultimate. And uh, I would be interested to see how this fares, like in a in a ladder reset context, which I guess must be coming in a few weeks.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much uh, leafy decks will see play in the upcoming tournament.
1: That's very true.
0: Yeah.
1: I I wonder if savage spinach will have a breakout. Um, in when everybody's kind of scrambling for whatever the new meta is going to be.
0: Yeah, let, let's see how uh, how mad people can get at that. You, you've been playing Zombies a lot recently. Have you been seeing spinach decks on the ladder? Um, I've seen a couple. I, uh, I beat a few
1: and I lost to a few. It really kind of depends on whether they can get control in the early game, I think, at least in the context of my MimeGarg trickster deck, which is what I've been playing mostly. The way that I've been losing to those is that they just kind of... Something on the board gets out of control, and I need to spend my time and resources dealing with that instead of not letting them set up a Savage Spinach. Uh, And so, like, when they get the Spinach to happen, you know, they have three or four or five cards in their hand. Um, Chances are, like, I'm still at the point where I would be trying to play, like kind of clunky four and five drops instead of killing them and instead of, like, having extra mana left over to, like, nibble away their bonk choy or something.
0: And have they mostly been green shadow, or, like, which heroes are you seeing running? (sighs) Off the top of my head, I don't
1: remember. Um, I know that I have seen at least some green shadow because I know that I have played against someone who was, like, trying to do a bunch of lily pad stuff and and it did not work out for them. Um, And so it seems as though... Like, Lilypad's, like, generic utility of being able to put an arbitrary thing in the water lane kind of does not really make up for the fact that it itself doesn't do anything. But, I mean, that deck also didn't seem super well-tuned, so I don't know. My, my sample size has been low, and, um, you know, I, I think that I just kind of haven't been running into people doing it. But I'll definitely be on the lookout for it.
0: Yes. And speaking of things to be on the lookout for...
1: Mmm, nice segue.
0: I have started a free-to-play account.
1: That's right. You installed an Android emulator, right?
0: Yes. Uh, uh, shout out to Fujers who chimed in on last week's show thread and uh, sent me a link to uh, an Android emulator, and I installed that on my my old MacBook, and I've been playing around with that for a couple of days now. probably talk about that more in the future. Uh, this show's already so chock full of content that, uh, that we're not ready to, uh, like unpack an entire segment on there. And also I've only been playing for a couple of days and turns out being a free to play account is a very, very slow grind starting out. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll talk more once I'm not making a, a spidow deck centered around keeping your seedling alive and hoping it turns into something cool. Hey, I mean
1: like that's, uh, that's legit. We got to understand how the game feels like for those players as well. Yeah. Um, but
0: you... it was kind of wild seeing, uh, all of the newfangled things that seedling can turn into. Literally, the oh, first yeah. one I got was a Gatling P, which ah. felt really nice.
1: Seems good. All right, yeah, but we'll hear more about that in the future. Um, and uh, I think this is going to be the last time you'll hear the show before the deadline to sign up for the next tournament on the Reddit. Um, yeah, that closes the 31st, and, uh, and our next show will be out uh, on July 1st. So uh, check out that thread sticky at the top of the page, and you'll um, be able to fill out that form and go on the Discord and, and get signed
0: up for the tournament, because we'll both be there, and we hope to see you. Yes, and if you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at shroomfortwoupodcast at com, or you can find us hanging out in the PBC Heroes Discord.
1: Uh, you'll certainly find me there to PM. I don't sit there and read it too often um but yeah we're definitely there and we're definitely pumped for those dudes to be running that tournament
0: man i don't know how people keep track of being in like 20 different discord channels i i have a really hard time following one of them yeah i mean i don't know it's just it's just for a younger generation than us i think yeah stay tuned for more uh, complaining about kids these days on shroom for two next time until then i'm mike i'm taylor uh, have a good weekend I'm strong to the finish Cause I eat my spinach I'm up by the sale of bed